and welcome to Modern Animism Radio. I'm Laura Giles, and I'm here to answer your questions about how to make animism accessible to the average Western person. If you have a question, please send it along, and it may end up as a topic of a podcast or a YouTube video. So today I'm bringing together everything we've ever posted to help you learn about animism and putting it in a template of sorts to help you organize it in your head to use it to create your own authentic animist practice. So I know we have a lot of stuff all over the place, and if you're just jumping in, it could be overwhelming. So hopefully this helps. Um, I have covered this topic before, but in a more general way, because I'm a big picture person, but I can certainly go into details, and today we're going to get specific. So before we get into the nitty-gritty, let's pause to give thanks to our ancestors and the elements. I thank and acknowledge the element of earth for the ground beneath our feet that helps us to stay stable and find our way back to center. I thank you for the earth that is coming back to life and gives us all we need to survive. I thank and acknowledge the air for all the things we can't see, our breath, imagination, thoughts, communication, inspiration. All those things help us to live and grow. Thank you. I acknowledge and thank fire for the passion that ignites our hearts and motivates us to do great and small things. I thank and acknowledge water for giving us the means to go deep, to feel deep, and face our darkness so that we can be whole. I thank our plant, animal, and mineral ancestors for all you do that makes life possible, and give thanks to the human ancestors for all the ways that we're supported that we see and don't see. I've had a lot of blessings this week, and so I really want to emphasize that gratitude. Thank you. So thank you to all the listeners who support us with likes, shares, subscribes, and um, just being here. All this helps our Google rating, so please, if this broadcast helps you or inspires you in any way, write us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Uh, if you'd like to donate, you can do that at our website at pansociety.net at the bottom of the page. And as you know, if you've been listening in a while, our online course has been up for renovation. We're undergoing a church-wide update with um, Mercury and retrograde, ice storms, being out of power, slow internet. It's taken a lot longer than anticipated. Um, we had hoped to have a lot of projects completed by now, but uh, I have found a um, faster internet, so whoopee. Hopefully that turns things around. Um, so I'm asking you to be patient. It is coming. Can't wait to unveil it, and I'll tell you about more when the time gets closer. As I mentioned two podcasts back, we have a poetry contest going on until March 15th. So one of our projects is to publish a book of love poetry. And if you're a poet and would like a chance at being included, go to our Facebook page or our MeWe page for details on the contest. And best of luck. Can't wait to see your poetry. So uh, I said we were going to talk about creating an authentic animist path. So what does authentic mean? Authentic is what's true for you. So I think when sometimes people ask about doing authentic animism, they're, they're asking about the way that it was done for someone else. Uh, maybe it was their ancestors, or um, here in America, it's Native Americans, or it could be Peruvians. So there's all different kinds of authentic animism, and some of them don't look anything alike. So what is authentic? There's, there's lots of different ways that it could be authentic. For me, uh, I have um, two animist lineages that are have been um, continuously Animists, so what's what's often, and then I have some some relatives and ancestors who haven't been uh, animists for a long, long time. So, what does animist or authentic animism look like to me? 
it's going to be real different than what it looks like for you because I have all these influences. So authentic is going to be what's authentic to your genealogy, maybe, I hope, I think, because your, your ancestry is in there and you want them to show up, especially if you have an ancestor honoring practice because they want what they want. So if that means putting out a bowl of milk outside uh, as your offering, then that's what you do. People might think, you you know, why are you doing that? You don't have a cat. <laughs> but you know why you're doing that. So it, it just really, you know, if your ancestors are used to rice, um, then it, that's what they want. If you live in a place where rice is not indigenous, then that's probably a strange thing to do unless your ancestors want that. So authentic is really going to be about all the things that make up you. What is your genealogy? What is your ancestry? Where do you live? Where have your ancestors lived? What about the time? Um, sometimes people want to go back, and this is cool, you know, do you, and do the reconstructionist thing. So I'm going to do it the way that it was last recorded. That could be 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago. I don't know. It could be 100 years ago if you're Native American or, or you know, you come from some other tribal culture. If that resonates with you, do that. Um, another thing to consider is what are the plants in your area? So a lot of us work with herbs uh, for health, for magic, for, for food. And Ayurveda is amazing. Chinese medicine is amazing. A lot of those plants don't grow here. So am I going to use those plants? Am I going to use plants that are indigenous to here? Something to think about. It's up to you. So I'm, I'm just throwing out some things that, you know, you want to consider maybe. Um, but our guts evolved with the plant life and with the diet. So it's more common for Asians and Native Americans to have problems digesting alcohol because it just wasn't part of the lifestyle. So we didn't evolve with that. Um, it, I don't remember which culture it is. It's more likely to have celiac disease, but there's a ethnicity that they have problems digesting wheat. Uh, Asians have a hard time digesting uh, milk, dairy. So you got a higher percentage of people with Asian ancestry having um, lactose intolerance. Things like that. That's why I'm talking about the plants because we have a relationship with things. And I know in modern days, you can be around the world in 24 hours. You can have whatever you want, whenever you want. Things are not necessarily seasonal now, but that doesn't mean that's the way that it should be because that's not the way that nature designed it to be. And when we live outside of a natural lifestyle, then we can be creating things that are not very healthy. So do you, do it however you want to do it, I would consider the plant. So if I'm going to be making some herbal things, um, I'm probably going to be using some herbs that I can grow on my own. Same with animals. Um, if we're talking about spirit animals, your spirit animal could be anything. Everything is available to you, but it's probably going to be something that is in your natural habitat. So it's probably not going to be a jaguar for me. I don't live in a place where jaguars live. It's probably not going to be a rhinoceros. I don't live where rhinoceros or penguins live. Probably not going to be those things. So I need to cultivate a relationship with the things that I interact with. It just makes more sense, doesn't it? 
I mean, I can learn how to speak Chinese, but if I'm not interacting with Chinese, I'm not going to get a whole lot of use out of that. It's not going to be very meaningful to me. Uh, here's the exception. So let's say that you're reincarnated from a, a culture and you still have affinity to that. That may play into things. But because of epigenetics and your genes, your, your ancestors are you. You have their genes. So when they pass down trauma, you could get it. I'm not saying that you will get it because of um, it, it doesn't, it's a skip a generation thing. Everybody doesn't get everything. Um, I have a ton of brothers and sisters. We don't look alike at all. Um, we look alike, but inside we don't, we're really, really different people. And we all got really different stuff from all of our different ancestors. So just because your your people did something doesn't mean that it's going to be an issue for you. But it does play a part. So that's something you want to think about, too, because you want to honor that. You want to heal whatever needs to be healed, those kinds of things. Another um, thing that goes into authenticity is where are you in your evolution? So if I'm um, in baby steps with animism and I don't really know anything about it, so that's a knowledge thing, not an inner heart thing. But I might need to go slower and I might be paying attention to different things than somebody who, like, has them in their culture. Like, if I live in Australia and I'm close to the outback, I have um, interactions with Aboriginal people. So I might have ideas that are already animist-leaning. Social beliefs also play into that. Um, what you came from as far as religion. So all of it, it's holistic. And what's authentic to you is going to be authentic, differently authentic to, to someone else. So it's not authentic if it's outside your culture, spiritual practice, or you don't understand what's going on or why you're doing something. So if I say, okay, I'm going to go to Peru and learn their indigenous uh, animism, is that it's it's authentic, but to those people, <laughs> it's not really authentic to me. It's like putting on a costume um, versus if this is what people wear every day and this is what I'm wearing, that's not a costume. That's my clothes. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So I think that's why a lot of people got away from organized religion or getting away from organized religion because it's become a rote practice, do this, do that. That's what they learned to do, but maybe they didn't learn why, or maybe they do learn why, but it's not a heart-centered personal practice. So if you want, whatever your spiritual path is, if you want it to be useful and worthwhile, let it reflect you. Let it reflect this time, your beliefs, where you are, what's important to you, your people, all of those things. Now, we can get inspiration from indigenous people. Um, I think that's that's what we're here trying to do. So we're here to make animism accessible. We're giving you, um, I just posted a invocation. There are rituals on our page. There's songs. There's all different kinds of things that will give you a foot in, a foot into Pan Society so that you feel like you belong here. But also a way to, so like, you know, you don't have an invocation yet. So you start using this one. And then maybe at some point a spontaneous invocation just erupts from you. Or you are in touch with your ancestors and they give you one. Because that's kind of how it works. Because everything changes. Everything evolves. So what you see of Native American spirituality, for example, from 500 years ago is not the same as it was 200 years ago. Because history happens. It's, it's an interactive thing. So some of the things we keep, some of the things we don't keep. Um, I think a lot of people 
think that it's like frozen in time because in animist cultures and tribal places, things don't evolve that fast. Um, but we're in a different time. So all of my people have cell phones. <laughs> it's still a tribal society, but everybody has cell phones. We still live in the modern age. So it's different than it was like 80 years ago. World War II was a really um, society-changing event for my people. Um, and then you have other things like that that happened that were really society-changing events. So it's not static. And we're not static. So your practice is good, probably going to change as you change. And that's cool. One of the things that I would suggest that you look at, though, as you're starting out is order of operations. So what, what comes first? Um, everything is a wheel, and the wheel is always turning. But then you could start wherever you are because there is no start, there is no finish, but I would suggest starting with Earth. So Earth is about being grounded, humble, um, down to Earth. Because what can happen as you're starting out on something is that you start to feel good, let's just say. And then you start to feel inspired and, oh, I know something that other people don't know. And you get glamoured, which is just your ego getting big, really. And then you start to lose touch with your root. So humility is a really big value in um, my tradition. It keeps you connected. So sovereignty and connection is the yin and the yang for us. But any yin and yang is going to be a way to stay balanced. So if I'm starting to get too big for my britches, then I'm, my sovereignty is getting out of balance with the connection because when I start getting too big for my bridges, then I start losing connection with people and animism is absolutely connected. So I would start with earth, do all the things that get you in connection with your body, with the physical earth, sensuality, because that is your antenna. If the body's not feeling good, then something's out of whack. So if you can always tune into that, that'll help to guide you. That your heart is a physical thing. It's a it's a vibration. It's a it's a it's an emotional thing, but it's also a physical thing. And if your heart's not good, then you know you're probably on the wrong path. So, order of operations, I would start with earth. And earth is an element. So, branching out from there, I would go with the elements. Get to know what the elements are. See them when they show up. That's why I always acknowledge the elements, no matter what it is, anywhere, anytime, any place. It's going to be made up of elements. And if I can find the elements, then I always have my foot on the ground. I always know where I am. So in um, the wheel, we have five elements with spirit in the middle. But if I, if I know that I'm earth heavy, then what do I need to balance that with? I need probably air, right? Because it's a cross. If I'm water heavy, I probably need more fire. At, I mean, I might need to balance all kinds of things, but you, for the yin-yang pair, that's why I'm going there. So that's another thing that you can look at that helps to keep you grounded is, you know, if you know nothing else, if you've got sovereignty connection, you're good. You can do animism just with those things. If you've got elements, you're good. You can do animism just with those things. That's why I always talk about these things because they're, they represent the whole universe. There's lots of things that could represent the whole universe. You could do that with astrology, believe it or not. You can do that with tarot. Uh, I like these because they're simple. Yin-yang, you got two things, masculine and feminine. Elements, five things. 
Another um, basic thing is get to know your archetypes. So know what the healthy ones look like. These archetypes are everywhere, and they can be a guide for you. So you like, okay, what, what, what energy is in play here? And if I say, oh, it's the rebel, is it a healthy rebel? Is my rebel going amok? That's all I need to know. And then I, that tells me, do I go right, do I go left? Do I need more, do I need less? Is it the right thing for the right time, the right, thing, you know, right um, purpose? There's nothing bad in the universe. People say, oh, what about snakes? What about scorpions? They're great. They, they add to everything. But if it's the wrong thing in the wrong time with the wrong intensity, then it's not effective. So it's more about being effective. Am I reaching the goals? Am I, am I, am I using this in a way that makes my sovereignty and connection balanced? If it's not, you know that you need to self-correct. So mother and warrior are two toxic uh, archetypes that I see a lot in Western society. So the picture of the mother is the shadow mother. picture of the warrior is the shadow warrior. So if we're aiming for that, (laughs) because we think moms are not healthy, warriors are not healthy, then we have the wrong picture. And I think we need to change that, honestly. Um, I have done a podcast on the mother archetype. You might want to check that out. I think that would be enlightening. I've written about the warrior, too. I think that's in a blog. It might be in a YouTube. Um, but just, if you just go to archetypes, you'll see I've covered some of them, if you don't know what they are. But they're not just things like mother warrior, human things. Uh, they're archetypes of the of around us, so the land, the sea, the trees. Those are archetypal, too. So what when you look at this land, you know, we think of the land being fertile, stable, all of these kinds of things. So when we're talking about symbols and asking for symbols from the spirit and we get this picture of a land, a feeling of a land, if we don't know what that archetype is, it's going to be like, I don't know why I'm getting this thing. And we might not even see it. So archetypes are universal. They're symbolic. They're, there's there's a side, deep, deep space inside of you that knows what they mean. We need to bring that knowledge out of the um, unconscious and into the conscious where it's more easy for us to work with it. We don't have to do that. But I think if, you're, if your right brain and your left brain are working together, you're going to be more effective. So how to make it authentic? Learn about the elements. Learn about the yin-yang. Learn about the archetypes. Let that be your foundation. And the next thing, the wheel of life. Learn about the wheel of life. Where are you in it? Where is the outer world? Uh, so, for example, let's say in my, my career, I could be in the spring if I just started a new job. So when I'm in the spring, that's a fun and frolic. It's a learning and growing, not real mature yet. you got all of these springy energies happening, which is really different than if I'm in the fall, which is I'm declining, winding things down, probably moving towards retirement. See what I'm saying? So if, it's kind of like the elements. If I know where I am and I let myself be where I am, then things are probably going to run really smoothly. If I am in the spring of my career and I'm trying to do summer, probably not going to work out so well. So really, authentic animism is about being here. It's about living in truth. So, and, and seeing all these connections and having all of these connections vibrating with truth. 
So my relationship is in the summer, and my job is in the spring, and my, I don't know, um, my friendship with so-and-so is in remission. So I'm in winter. (laughs) Then all of these things, it's different, and I need to be able to roll with all the different energies. Meanwhile, me, I'm in tune with nature, and nature is in, what season did I leave out? Uh, I think I hit them off, didn't I? Let's see that it's fall and I'm, I'm living, you know, I'm, I'm slowing things down. And that's perfect. That's how we make it authentic. I'm in connection with me. I'm in connection with nature. So holy days, this is going to be totally up to you. Maybe you don't observe holy days. Maybe you have different holy days. Maybe you do it a totally different way. It's going to depend on your landscape. You know, I could say mistletoe is for... Um, the winter solstice, but if you live in a place where there's no mistletoe, then it's not, is it? <laughs> uh, I could say holly is for that, uh, but if you have different greens or you don't want greens, let's see, if you live in Arizona, you don't have greens probably. So your holy day is going to look different. It's like the lunar cycle. You know, um, some people uh, call the moons by Native American names, but did you know that there's not really Native American names? There's totally different tribes. The East Coast is way different from the West Coast. North is different from South. So they don't. it's not like one Native American name. There's a bunch of them. And if it's this year to that year, let's say that February was really warm. We've had some warm Februaries, okay? That's going to have a different name than all the other ones. It's not going to be the, I don't know, I'm making this up. I don't know if it's the cold moon or what it is. But if it's normally the cold moon, well, that works a lot of times, but it's not the cold moon now. It's warm. <laughs> um, so actually, that's a really good way of keeping in touch with nature. It's name your moon for what's happening in your area. Does the strawberries always come at this time? Maybe this is a strawberry moon for you then. Do you live in a place where wolves howl? Then maybe it's the wolf moon. Or the salmon runs? Maybe it's the salmon run moon. So that's a good way. Naming your um, moons after what's happening in your area. And if this is the daffodil moon, the crocus moon, and we don't get them this year, then it's something else. So, for example, if uh, there's um, an invasion and if there's mass starvation, then they would say this is a starvation moon or this is the death moon or something like that. So that's how they always know that this is the time that this thing happened. So they were, were named for significant events. It wasn't just like, oh, it's February. Let's call it the this thing. Um, that's animism. It's what's happening right now. It's not um, rituals and rote. This is the way it is because this is the way it is. And then I'll tell you and you tell your kids and you tell their kids and their kids. And then it's always that way. It's not that way. It changes. Um, we have songs and then people make a new song. You have dreams. And these dreams are shared with people, and they may inspire the tribe to move. They may inspire another ritual or something like that. So it's always evolving. It's living in a relationship with the now. It's living in relationship with you. And that's really important, too. It's all about relationships. So how do you want to have that relationship? How do you want to relate to plants? Do you want to support your local farmer? And buy your produce from there? Do you want to learn about the local plants in your area? Do you want to have a garden? Do you want to learn how to use plants medicinally? Do you want to use plants to beautify? 
Um, so it all it just depends on you. What you're into, what what means something to you, what's going to help you to survive. If you have a chronic health issue, there's probably a plant that would help with that. So I'd get to know that plant. I'd get to know all the permutations of that plant. What do the leaves do? What do the stems do? What do the roots do? Does does it um is it an aromatherapy plant? Is it something I can do with the essential oils? Does it have essential oils? What if I use this in food? What if I use lots of herbs in food so that I'm always getting the juicy, juicy goodness from them? What if I had fresh herbs growing in my kitchen so that they're always available at the peak of freshness, at the peak of uh, ripeness and abundance in good stuff? Wouldn't my life be different? Then, of course, you have animals. So lots of people have pets, and the pet industry is really troubling to me because people treat pets like humans. And humans, if when I was a little kid, the hospital was like one building. All, all departments were in this one building. I don't know, maybe it had like four or five floors. When I went back home and saw the hospital where I was born, it now takes up the entire block, and that one building is like an intake or something. It's not even, you know, and and <laughs> crazy. We call this medicine. We call this health. It's not health. That's a disease uh, paradigm. That's not a health paradigm. So when we treat our animals the way we treat ourselves, and now they have, we have to have a vet, we have to have pet insurance, because they have all the diseases that we have, that's not cool, y'all. We're not treating them the way that they are supposed to live. They're not living a natural wildlife, and we're not either. So that's what all these relationships are about. Think about what is natural for animals. People eat animals. I I hope that's not a newsflash. (laughs) So when somebody says to me, oh, you're going to eat that poor little animal, yes, I am. (laughs) This is what people have done forever. I eat plants, too. Did you know that plants can talk to each other and they send out signals saying, oh, gosh, the lawnmower is coming? You know, they send out warnings and stuff. There's all of this mycelia under the earth, and they use that as a network to communicate with each other. So plants are just as alive and sensitive as animals are and humans are. But we got to eat something. Everybody eats something. So my point in that is, you know, it's a different different way of thinking of things. It's just honor your food. Whatever you're eating, honor your food. And if it's not alive, if it's like created in a lab, honor it still. Just know that that's not natural food. Um, for me, astrology also plays a part because you everything has energy. And the universe is vibrating at its own energy. And when the moon is here and the sun is there, different energies are available to you. So there's going to be things that are helpful, things that are not really helpful. And if you are vibing along with that, your life's going to be easier. It's like living in, doing spring things in the spring. If I'm trying to plant pumpkins in the spring, then I'll probably have pumpkins in the fall. If I'm trying to plant pumpkins in the fall, good luck with that. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Everything has a time and a season and a a, a lifespan. Um, For me, singing and dancing is a part of it. It's, It's a way to connect with spirit. It's a way to connect with other people. It's a way to release emotions, to feel emotions, to flow. That's just, you know, to me, if you look outside, so I'm looking outside right now, thank goodness it's a sunny day. 
the sun is really perky and uh, spirit lifting. So when I see the earth like that, it's like singing. Oh, everything looks so pretty, wee, you know. And then when it's overcast, then it, it's singing too, but it's singing in a different way. Maybe it's a little melancholy or maybe it's a, it's just a different mood. So if you think of everything as, everything is vibration, but if you think of it as a lovely melodic vibration, then you can just be where it is. We follow the stars. We follow the sun. We follow the earth. And when we try to dominate it, be like, oh, I'm, I'm in, I gotta be in a good mood today. And then it's raining. And then he's like, oh, God, 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 you know, and you're fighting against it. That's a losing battle. <laughs> so just sing whatever song there is to sing. Dance whatever song there is to dance. And then finally, after you do all that, you have a relationship with that. You get it. You understand it. You know how to manifest it, put it out there, show it. Then comes the rituals and the ceremonies. So I know a lot of people are here for rituals and ceremonies, but if you don't have the knowledge of all of that stuff, and if you don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it, then there's no reason to have a ritual or ceremony. So if I'm doing a moon circle or a moon ritual because the moon is wherever it is, full, new, and that's all I know, probably not going to be a very meaningful moon circle. So all that other stuff is what makes the ritual and the ceremony meaningful. If you don't have that, so what? Um, but, okay, so as you're learning the rituals, and, and, you know, if you don't have no experience with this, then go to our website. We have bunches of rituals. Ask me, can I get a ritual for this? I will gladly do that for you so that you can learn how. But the most important thing is going to be for you to learn how so that it means something to you. And then we have um, animacy is connection. Now, if you're not doing it within community, then you're probably not getting the full experience of it. So that's why I invite you to interact, to join up, to participate, so that you have a community, somebody who validates you, who sees you, who recognizes what you're doing, and high five, help you along with it, talk it out with you if you need that. Um, and then there's the solitary stuff that we all do every day by ourselves. It's just, it's the yin and yang. We need both. So journaling helps. It helps to, when you have ideas that are inside, they're not the same as what they look like when they come outside. Journaling brings them on the outside. So that's a yin and a yang, too. Bringing it out, that's writing, that's, that's the masculine thoughts. And internal dialogue, that's the feminine. And if you want to birth something, you got to bring it out into the world. So highly recommend journaling. Um, we are working on journals, by the way. We've got a couple of them coming out, and and you'll see some more after that, too. So there's lots of inspiration going on in the background. Um, and you're going to see this, this really comes from your input. Your Our interaction with you is driving this train. So I get a lot of um, messages on the down low. Put it on the Facebook. Let other people hear your ideas or the me we. This is how it happens, y'all. So participate. Let us know what you're doing. You might be doing something really, really cool that other people would be like, oh, that's so awesome. I need to incorporate that into my practice. You know, oh, this happened with the ancestors. That is so cool. When you have a witness for it. Um, we have moon circles and talking circles, 
and different types of events. So I got a bunch of stuff on the plate, and so we we wound way down to get that off. But as as that's coming up, that's, those are going to start happening again. Hope to see you there so that you can tweak, refine, get ideas, so that we can all kind of interact with each other. So it is meant to be dynamic, living. It's not just something that you think about. It is active. It happens every single day. I um, hope that's helpful. hope that's more uh, more of a nitty-gritty, I need to do this, I need to do that. Because it is a personal thing, I can't really say step one, do this, step two, do that. But the online group is going to be kind of like that. The first two steps everybody does, and then it, like, sprawls, and then you can do whatever you want. But, like I said, everything is built upon your questions and interactions. There's some things that are really foundational and basic that I don't think about because they're just kind of automatic to me. I need you, if you're a beginner, to remind me of that so that I don't forget it and just take it for granted and you never get it. We also have a lot of people who are here who got it, you know, and I don't want you to be left out thinking, oh, it's just beginner stuff. We need your participation too. Lead us. This is where we're going, y'all, kind of, you know, uh, breadcrumbs lead the path so we need your input too that's all i've got for you this week i hope to see you around and thank you so much for tuning in be sure to check out our facebook and MeWe pages we'd love to have you over there if you can come over to a bonfire when it happens again we're having a really tiny small one for um spring equinox so if you're in the area maybe we'll see you there and if you'd like to donate you know the website it's pansociety.net thank you so much I hope to see you later. Ciao, guys. Bye.